0: This is the Software Patent Podcast by BlueShift IP. Hi, and welcome to the Software Patent Podcast by BlueShift IP with me, Robert Plotkin, co-founder of BlueShift IP and software patent attorney. This is the sixth and final segment in our series on how to determine whether your software is patentable. As I mentioned last time, we started this as a four-part series, but we got such a positive response and had so much demand that we decided to add two more installments with two more criteria that you can use to help start to Evaluate whether your software is patentable. If you are an inventor or an executive at a high tech company or a patent lawyer outside the US, we hope that this will help you at least make that first pass determination about whether your software is worth considering for patent protection. In this last installment, we're going to focus on the criterion of whether your software requires or benefits from the use of multiple computers or multiple devices for it to work. If your software does either require or just work better when it's run in a way that is distributed across multiple devices, that is helpful because it lends weight to the patentability of the software. But just to make clear, this is only another criterion to take into account. It's not necessarily required. If your software doesn't run on multiple devices, that doesn't necessarily mean you should not pursue patent protection for it. We regularly obtain patents for our clients on software that only runs on a single computer or a single other device. If your software does benefit from executing across multiple devices, this can make it easier for you to obtain a patent on that software. For example, any kind of peer-to-peer or client-server algorithm for leveraging multiple computers to compress data, let's say to transmit it more efficiently, is an example of the kind of software I'm talking about. More generally, any software that distributes a problem across multiple computers to solve parts of that problem and then uh, that combines the partial solutions from those multiple computers back together is another example of distributed software that satisfies the criterion that we're talking about today. Even though this criterion is not exactly the same as one of the criteria that we discussed a couple of episodes ago, namely whether your software is necessarily rooted in computer technology, you can see how these two criteria are related to each other, because if your software is distributed across multiple computers, then you can probably make a strong argument that that software is necessarily rooted in computer technology. For example, a human solving the same problem wouldn't distribute the problem across multiple devices. A human would just do it in their head or on pencil and paper. And, and this will help your argument that software that solves the same problem using multiple devices is not merely mimicking the way that a human would solve that problem. And that helps in your argument that software is patentable. A common pitfall that I've seen is for people to write a patent application for software that's distributed across multiple computers in a way that results in them getting a patent, but where the patent is just not very valuable. For example, if you describe and claim your software in the patent as relying on peer-to-peer technology, but in practice your competitors implement your algorithm using client-server technology or some other network architecture, other than peer-to-peer, then your patent might not end up being infringed by your competitors, even if they've copied and implemented the same basic approach that you patented. And this is one reason why it's really critical for you to retain a patent attorney who's not only fluent in how computer technology works, but who's also well-versed in how to write a software patent application that's both technically accurate and legally broad enough so that competitors can't easily work around the patent and avoid infringing it. Thanks so much for joining us for this six-part series on how to determine whether your software is patentable. Now that we've finished this series, I suggest that you use all six parts of the series as a checklist to evaluate any new software that you or your clients develop in order to help you make a first-pass determination about whether that software is worth considering for patenting. And although there's no strict formula for applying and combining together the results of all of these criteria, in general, the more criteria your software satisfies, the more likely it is to be patentable. And as always, to obtain an actual legal opinion about whether your software is likely to be patentable, you should retain a licensed and competent patent attorney in your jurisdiction. If you have any questions about software patents, about the criteria we've described in this six-part series, about anything else, please contact us directly by going to blueshiftip.com. And if you have any software inventions to consider pursuing patent protection for in the U.S., please contact us. And we look forward to seeing you on future episodes of the Software Patent Podcast by BlueShift IP. I'm Robert Plotkin, Software Patent Attorney, and I'll see you next time. The Software Patent Podcast by BlueShift IP is hosted by me, Robert Plotkin, and Cynthia Gilbert, who are software patent attorneys and the founding partners of BlueShift IP, the software patent experts. The Software Patent Podcast is produced by Jenny Media. For all software patent inquiries, please visit blueshiftip.com.